0: So, acapella, cappella. to brother. I like that song. Oh, it's cold, man. What's going on around here? Some of y'all don't like waking up when it's cold, do you? I don't either. I gotta be honest with you. But it's that time of year, you know, getting in that Christmas spirit, hopefully. And uh, I just recently was able to celebrate, you know, 21 years as a minister of the Lord, right? So that means for 21 years, I've had to figure out how to be creative around Christmas time and not repeat myself over and over again, which is not easy to do. Uh, There's not a ton of Christmas scriptures, right, in a sense, right? We got the Gospels, and that kind of breaks it down for us, and I think we all feel pretty comfortable with all the cast the characters and all that good stuff. But for 21 years, I got to figure out how to make it different. And then I decided, you know, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Because some things just are timeless, and that's just the way they need to be. I've watched It's a Wonderful Life 18 trillion times. I already know what's going to happen with that savings and loan. I already know that dude is going to forget what he wasn't supposed to forget. And I know what's going to happen with old George Bailey. But every time, man, I'm just a puddle. You know what I'm saying? Just gets me every time. And so, And there's nothing that's changed about that particular movie, but it's just something about it being timeless, right? And I just think there's something about going back to the scriptures and really clearing our minds and getting our hearts in a place where we really can take in some of those timeless themes that we learn uh, about how Jesus came initially uh, as a baby, but also to look ahead as well. And so hopefully this morning can be timeless in a sense that these passages that we've read before can encourage us or inspire us or help us or challenge us, whatever God needs for, for it to happen in our hearts. But uh, let's, let's dive in and say a word of prayer. Amen. Father, this morning uh, we, we come wanting to have humble hearts and wanting to have our minds in tune with your spiritual truths. And Father, we are grateful to to know you, that you chose to reveal yourself to us in a very personal way. And Father, I, I'm grateful after studying Greek mythology and the capricious nature of the gods and the way they interact with human beings. And wow, uh, I'm glad that we don't go back to those types of themes every year, but that we can understand your deep Love for us, the purposefulness of what you have done, the plan, how we are involved in that plan, and, and how we benefit from uh, Jesus coming as a, as a child, living among us, and how we can look forward to his coming again. Uh, so God, I just pray that these timeless themes can, can just resonate with us. And while we may not break brand new ground, I still believe that these these scriptures can can motivate us to love you with all our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 <clears throat> so this uh, I, a few years ago, I, I read a, a book called The, the Advent Conspiracy. And I didn't grow up going to church a ton. And the church I did go to, we didn't really use, we didn't go by any church calendar. So things like advent with never heard of it right uh, growing up and even even as a christian here to, our fellowship of churches it's not like we we would go through uh, that time of year and the, the advent which is a, a a fancy word for arrival or coming is uh, a lot of times churches will take the four sundays before christmas to celebrate the arrival of jesus as a child and also look ahead to his coming again that's the Advent time of year, and sometimes you, you maybe you grew up. You had the Advent calendar where you open it up, and it's got the candy every single day, and all that. Uh, and you light four candles for each Sunday. So there's all these traditions around the Advent that I had never really tapped into. And a part of me, quite honestly, was like, "Oh, I don't need to do all of that. You know, all that, that that's that's another type of tradition. I don't need that tradition to get in touch with Christmas." But I, I just decided, you know, I'm, I'm interested. And so I just studied it more, and it. It, it appealed to my heart. And, uh, and so, as I was reading it, one of the, the things that uh, it, it came up with was that it said, God came in person to walk with us as one of us to save us. And that's one, one of the simple points that I read out of the book. That God, you know, he came to us in person <laughs> to walk with us, right, and to 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 save us we needed that in person walking with us and saving us and so this morning I want to look at what that really means and you know you can't get around it without that fancy that fancy term of the the incarnation right and uh, when I was writing this I I started with ENC because I hung out with Norman Encarnacion yesterday at his son's basketball game and uh, I thought well Norman is the incarnation no he's not he's not but uh... The incarnation, just about how Jesus uh, becoming flesh, right? That, that, that God became flesh and took on the nature of human beings, right? And we see that in the scripture in John chapter 1. The word became flesh and lived among us, made his dwelling among us. And uh, there's the, the uh, prophecy in Isaiah and re- retold in Matthew about uh, the birth, that she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel God with us and so this concept of the incarnation is just so timeless and it's something that hopefully can encourage us that this is the type of God that we serve that he is humble he is loving that he comes to be with us and not just distant from us and uh, and so I, I was just encouraged that that but in person what does that mean to us? And if you look at that genealogy, when you look at Matthew, and this is, again, a timeless truth when you look at that, that genealogy, all the names in the genealogy, right? But you see Judah and Tamar, and you know that, right? Judah, and he, didn't, he didn't always do so good, all right, as one of uh, J- J- the, the sons of Jacob. He, uh, he messed up, and uh, he actually slept with uh, Tamar, who was pretending to be a prostitute, and they had a child, and that's someone that's Jesus in that line. Okay, so you go, that's kind of scandalous. Yeah, it is. It really is. What about Rahab? Well, she was a Gentile prostitute. Wow. Ruth, she was a Moabite. Wow, she wasn't even Jewish. What's going on with Jesus's genealogy? Well, David, well, he was great. Yeah, he was, but man, he had some mess ups in his life. Bathsheba, he slept with her, killed her husband, and they had a kid named Solomon who started off great, but he took a turn. Then you've got, well, at least you've got some kings in his line. Hey, Amen. There's these kings like Ahaz and Manasseh. Well, man, this is one of the. This is Manasseh. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Following the detestable practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He sacrificed his own son in the fire practiced divination, sought omens, consulted mediums, and spiritists. He did much evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. This guy is in the line of Jesus too. So what does that tell you? Why, do you, why does that truth, that, that genealogy of Jesus, that of all the family lines he could have come in, that he chose to come in one with people like this, Right? If you were going to choose to come, would you have chosen a family line like that? And then finally, when you get to his earthly parents with Joseph and Mary, now you're talking about a, he, Jesus comes and messes up their lives, really. In a way, in a, in a sense, in a, in a societal sense, she's going, to be, she's going to have a baby before their actual kind of marriage is consummated. That's not good for your social life. OK, so this random girl, young girl and this guy, they have no significance, no wealth, no power, no influence. And now now they're going to be people going to be looking at them a little. And what did you She's pregnant. Whoa! And so that's the that's but that's how God chose to come and and be with us in person. That was his choice. There was nothing, nothing great, uh, easy about it. And then when you look at him as he grew up, then you get these little snippets. We don't get a ton, but I have two teenage daughters in my house, so this is, a, this is a good one right here. Jesus went down to Nazareth with Joseph and Mary, and he was obedient to them. Praise God that some teenagers can be obedient to their parents. Amen. His mother treasured all these things in her heart. I bet she did. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man." Jesus wasn't a robot. You know, he, had to, he grew, he learned, he, he, he was obedient to his earthly parents. This is God in the flesh, the incarnation. Ooh, big theological thought, but what did it look like? It played itself out in a guy with a sketchy genealogy, born into a sketchy situation, and uh, he had to figure out how to be obedient to his own parents wow, that sounds like me and you, right? That sounds like me and you. And, and to me, this, this encourages me. It's like, it's like you know, Jesus, he, he's not too good for us, right? And I appreciate Steve Brand, you know, that uh, you know, God uses broken people. That should, that should give us encouragement. That's a timeless theme in Scripture that it should give us encouragement. Don't you hate people that make you feel inferior? I mean, we all know those situations where it's like you— you fear like even what you're wearing or something might, might make somebody look down on you. Or I mean, we, we have this family member. I'm not even going to come close to mentioning who they are because I'm being recorded, you know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> but this particular person wasn't there and the living situation was a little not great people were i slept on a couch my wife was on a blow-up mattress and in a separate in the living room and we we had lots of family and somebody just made a comment that if so-and-so were here he would get a hotel room he would not deign to deal with this situation because he's so much greater than all of his vibe you know who wants to be around that right You don't want people that are just too good for you right to make you feel that way and you look at the genealogy of jesus you look at him having to grow up be obedient we should look at that and just go wow god that's how you chose to come and be with us in person like like that like you're one of us and you're not a distant god who's unknowable and inaccessible but that's who you are. And, and even when you looked at the prostitutes in your line and the non-Jewish people in your line and the people that had it all messed up really bad, even though those were the people in your earthly line, you didn't choose to separate yourself. It actually compelled you to go help them. Wow. That's the heart of that's the heart of God. To, to, look at, to look at us in our messed upness and to not be repulsed by it, but to be compelled. To actually come and be among, wow, to me, that's a timeless truth that I hold on to this time of year, that Jesus came in person. And he came in person to, to, to walk with us, you know, to walk with us, to show us how to truly live. And, and when, you re- when you read the Gospels about who Jesus is, I mean, it just it should inspire us all. I mean, there's so many passages to, to choose from, but there's one that I really liked in, 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 in John chapter 15. And Jesus, you know, he's telling his, his, his disciples, and yeah, you know, he says, you know, my command is this to, to love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this: to lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command. And I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from the Father. I have made known to you. You know, Jesus didn't just come in person. He came to walk with us. And how did he walk with us? Well, look at this passage. He said, I came to, I came to be friends. I want to be friends. You know, I'm, I'm going to show you how to live life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Yeah, but, but I'm not just going to call you service. I'm not just going to come here and Lord over you. And, and to me, again, if I were going to come and be, a, be your Lord, I'd want to come and I'd have me a nice, I'd live in a nice neighborhood. I'd have my kids in really good schools and if i and if i was going to come right and in the way we are wired i'd come and and create myself a wonderful wife right and have perfect kids right and have all the all the amenities in life but that's not what jesus did he didn't he did none of that he hung out with people he's talking to people who are not even influential these people that he's talking to and calling them friends they they're not even really considered all that in their society but this is who Jesus is. This is how God chose to, to reveal himself to us. Not to just lord it over us, just to come here. He could have just come as an adult and just shown, told us what to do. Right? He could have come two days before he was supposed to be crucified. right? That's probably what I would have done, just get this thing over with. right? But you know, he came as a, as, a, as a baby, vulnerable, having to put himself under the, 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 the care of two parents that didn't know what they were doing. And then he comes to walk with us and to teach us, and then he calls us friends. We don't deserve any of that in it. But, but what does that do for your heart? Hopefully it just makes you grateful. I hope it, I hope it can inspire in you gratitude for the God that we serve, that it's, it's, it's real, it's authentic, it's heart to heart. It's, that's the, it's a relational connection. And so often we think of God as just this out-of-body world. You can't touch him. You have to just know about him. No, you can know him. And he actually wants to call you friend. Wow. The incarnation. Beautiful. Walking with us. But he walks with us. How does he walk with us? He walks with us as as one of us. And um, there's a a part of the scripture. And uh, let's look at Matthew 3. I'm going to make you turn on your Bible or open up your Bible or However you want to do it, but I'm gonna read this in Matthew chapter three. Beginning in verse 13. But to, to set it up, <laughs> to set it up, you've got kind of the, the most unlikely, the most unlikely guy in the Christmas story in Matthew three is this guy named John the Baptist. There's nothing warm and fuzzy about this guy. And he, but he's a part of—he's kind of a, a part of the story. I mean, you know, his mom is pregnant at the same time that Mary's pregnant, and it's just this thing. And then, it, and every gospel talks about John the Baptist. He's important, guys, and he is a radical dude. And 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 Matthew three, I mean, he's out there just preaching just fire and brimstone sermons, just calling people out. You need to sin, you, you are sinners, you're a brood of vipers, you don't even know what you're doing, the axe is at the root of the tree, God's going to chop you down if you don't repent right now, I mean, he's just spitting fire, you know what I'm saying, in the desert, hot, wearing camel skin, I mean, eating locusts and honey, this dude is radical, you know what I'm saying, it has nothing to do with Christmas time and all that kind of stuff, this guy is, so what in the world does he have to do with Jesus wanting to walk with us as one of us because he's preaching. And people are responding to his preaching, and they're coming out, and he's called John the Baptist, and he is baptizing people for, you know, repentance. They're like, okay, we wow, we are, we are awake now. We need to change. We need to turn our hearts to God. Our lives are messed up. We need to t- repent. And so he was baptizing people, giving them that, that power to, wow, there it is, repentance, you know, and it's powerful. But then in verse 13, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill our righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. You see, he came as one of us. And why do I say that? This is a perfect example. Jesus did. What did Jesus have to repent of? (laughs) He didn't have anything to repent of. He hadn't sinned. There was no need for repentance. But he identified with you and me so deeply, so intensely, that he was willing to go through the same things that we went through. Right? That's how, that's how deeply he identified with humanity. That he, he submitted himself to, to the right that, co- that people that needed to repent were doing. He, even though he didn't need to repent. What a, what, a, what a connection that he, that he sought with us. And I, I saw this quote in it. It said, Christ's baptism might create misunderstanding, <laughs> just as his associating with publicans or tax collectors and sinners did. He was content to be misunderstood. You know, Jesus didn't care about all those labels. You could label him whatever you wanted to label him. Oh, see, he's, he's, he's getting baptized. He needs to repent just like every, He's no different than anybody else. He's getting baptized too. Wonder what he needs to repent of. I wonder if he's sleeping around like with Mary or somebody. What's he doing? Seriously, what's Jesus doing? Why is he getting re- baptized? People could have misunderstood that. Jesus, he, wasn't, he didn't care about all that. What he cared about was un, he wanted people to understand that, yes, in a sense, he was one of them in a sense. Like, he came to identify with people. And if that wasn't enough, think about the way he died. Think about Matthew 27, right? Turn there with me. Matthew chapter 27. See, nowadays I got to get glasses on and all kinds of stuff. Man, what happened to my life? (laughs) Goodness gracious. Matthew 27. Look here in verse 38. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he came save himself. He's the king of Israel. Well, let him come down now from the cross and then we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Well, let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him my goodness think about that jesus's genealogy his birth, his baptism the way he lived his life and the way he even died all of it he did it as one of us as one of me but he was god he was god but he, his entire life the arc of his life was just like yours and mine And hopefully that is a timeless truth that can penetrate our hearts when we when we tend to believe where is God when we just don't get everything we want out of life, right? This is eternally encouraging to me that God came in person to walk with us as one of us to save us. We need to be saved, guys, okay? This is something that the world doesn't want to hear. This is where people turn off and they start going into philosophy and all of this other stuff. But we're not, I'm not a philosopher. I'm really not um, at all. Uh, we, we needed to be saved because we are sinners. We, every single one of us has missed the grace of God. We've, mi- we've missed the mark, okay? And therefore, we are under the wrath of God for, if not for someone to save us. Okay, that is the truth, okay? There is absolute truth. Okay, and because of that, there, is, there are things that are not true. Okay, and so if you want to believe the scriptures and what it says about God and what it says about Jesus, you all, me included, we all need salvation and we can't give it to ourselves. And just being good people or being considered a good person or coming from a good family or attending church services or doing a couple good deeds or if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds and all that stuff, that's not, that's not true. That's not going to save you, okay? We need, we need salvation, all right? Sin is real, you know, and we, and we need to understand that. And, uh, and here's a scripture that I think kind of maybe ties it all together maybe for us when we think about all these concepts that we've talked about as we are nearing a close here. It says, since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, right? The incarnation. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps. Angels don't need the help that Jesus provides. But Abraham's descendants, for this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest In service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people that's you and me guys because he himself suffered when he was he was tempted he is able to help those who are being tempted we need atonement made for our sins we got to deal with our sins you know and I appreciate Steve saying why in the world are we gonna sit and wallow in our sins we blow it hey admit it confess it right Tell God about it. Get your heart right. Talk to a trusted friend in the church. Pray and move on, right? But let's be grateful that Jesus came to deal with our sins because they needed to be dealt with, right? I mean, you know, and luckily in January, just want to give you a heads up, we're going to take the month of January and try to really take some time as a church to fast and to pray. And to try to get our heart right at the beginning of the year, you know, and just trying to try to deal with our hearts and, and just get purified before God. And we're going to have a 21 day fast and do these types of things. And and uh, we'll explain that. No, you're not. You're going to be allowed to eat at some point Right? we will explain that. Just don't freak out. But I at least, least want to give you a head start. And uh, I want to read one more passage to you, because, you know, I know I've been saying this, that God came in person to walk with us as one of us to save us. But you know what? He's coming again. And he's coming to rescue us (laughs) once and for all so we don't have to deal with the craziness that goes on in this world, right? And I want to encourage you that he's coming back again. I'm going to read this to you, and then we're going to stand up and sing a closing song. And this passage is found in Revelation 19, verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, And out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And he is coming back to not just save us, but to rescue us. Whew, once for all time, and these are the timeless truths that I hope that we can be encouraged by for eternity. And let's stand up and sing our closing song about having a home in heaven. Amen to that. All right, let's